welcome to Right Hearted with me, Stuart Wakefield, and I am very excited to be interviewing Carolyn Henry today. Carolyn is a voiceover artist who also edits and produces audiobooks. Carolyn, welcome to the show. Hello. So I am always, always, when I speak to writers, it's my first question is, okay, how did you get to this point? Um, so for you, I've done some high level stalking on your LinkedIn account. Um, and yeah, I'm really <laughs> to, to see because it looks like your career took a bit of a turn. So how did you get to this point? Yeah, so I did a bit. So I get, I mean, I've always been into creative things. So I've always done acting, written a little bit of my own comedy sketches. Don't get too excited because I'm not a writer. But <laughs> um, and I've done, you know, I did uh, theatre studies at university. I did um, sound engineering. So it's always been creative things that I've done. Um, but I decided to start my own business back in 2010. And it was all about music then. So I was a singer in a band and I wrote my own music. Okay. And, um, you know, it was all about the kind of creative stuff. But I wanted to have my own creative business. So I set up Glasgow Music Studios which was a recording studio and rehearsal studio. So I got all these rooms built and we ran music lessons and we did rehearsal sessions and recording and workshops and everything, you name it. All bells, all whistles, oh. I took it all on. Um, okay. I had about 30 staff. It was just, you know, quite quite stressful. So um, I decided after a decade of that that I wanted to really not be focusing just on running a business, but I wanted to get more into actually doing the creative side, the stuff that I trained for, the stuff that I love doing. And so I decided to sell my business, luckily, literally three months before COVID hit. So... Oh, nice timing. I know. Well, I mean, it wasn't all, you know, it wasn't all great, but at least... uh, at least I managed to get rid of all the assets and stuff in my business before COVID really hit, because otherwise it would have been a real headache. I wanted to go back and do a nine-to-five job with the big, you know, get a flashy car sales job, and yeah. just completely different to working in the creative industries and maybe do, like, my comedy on the side or, like, kind of music stuff on the side. Um, so, yeah, so I started off and I did my training down in Manchester selling coffee machines, and I worked for about three weeks. And then COVID struck, and I was like, oh, no. So I get made redundant. <laughs> so, so I've got no job, and I've no, no business, and I was like, what am I going to do? Stuck at home during the pandemic, so I thought, well, I've got my voice. I can sing, and I've got a trained voice. So I, that's one skill I've got, and I can also record as well. So I thought I'm going to put them together and try and start narration and just start my own thing again, and I was just so much happier. I didn't like doing the nine to five working for someone else. It just yeah. wasn't good for my soul. <laughs> so that's what yeah. I did. And I yeah, I, you know, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so though it it's is. quite so, exciting, I mean, you know. Right. That's what and it, has it big, kind of a big investment for you? I mean, I'm assuming you mainly work from home now. Yeah, so I did have to buy my own uh, studio pod. Um, it maybe wasn't quite as scary for me because I'd already put a huge amount of money to a big you know, studio in town that I had. I had three recording suites and I had five rehearsal rooms. I'd really spent a lot of money on that. So getting the one booth didn't seem as big a 
a deal. So yeah, I've got a I've got an um a cube isolation booth in the house, which is brilliant. Makes a huge difference because I was trying to so do this that, one. Okay, is that the one that that literally looks like a bit like a phone booth, or is that the one that kind of goes over your shoulders? Because I've seen a bizarre one that's like a stand that basically clamps your head in. Well, I, I have got the, the stand that clamps your head in. <laughs> Sounds terrific, isn't it? Scary. <laughs> That's even better coffee job, I think, than the stand. No <laughs> time like this, stuck in a box. <laughs> but, um, so I started with that, and that was okay, but things like, you know, you'd be recording a, an audiobook and someone would start cutting the lawn, and you're like, that's me for another hour, I can't, I need to wait until they finish, you know. Yeah. So then... After that, I bought the cube, which is actually like a little room, more like a telephone booth, as you say, but a bit okay. bigger. Mine's a bit bigger than that. And you go in and you just close the door and you stand in there. But I've also put the box with the clamp thing for your head in the booth, so it's extra, extra soundproofed. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I think you can never have too much soundproofing, you know, to get it sounding really up front okay. and sounding. So that's what that's what I've done. So but I'm assuming you're that. not claustrophobic. Not really, no. I mean, I don't think I'd like it if I couldn't get the door open. <laughs> 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 no, I can't not. get away from this terrible book. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how are you finding this kind of paradigm shift from, you know, mar- uh, you know, music studio to marketing to, to voice narration? Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much nicer. I like working for myself. I like doing my own hours. I like that I'm doing creative stuff. Yeah. I mean, I used to sit in the studio and, all, you know, all the people come in to do lessons or record their own music or even we did, vo- we did audio books at the studio and stuff as well. Okay. And I was really envious because I was like, you know, I'm stuck here running the business, but I want to actually be the person that's doing the, the creative stuff. So it just feels much more me. You know, okay, feel, good. Oh, man, that's half the battle really, isn't it? Absolutely. The, um, so you've worked on some quite diverse stuff as well. So you've done um, that adorable Basset Hound in the Harringtons ad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You've been um, a quite an incredible video game character. Uh, is it Frida Buckshot yes. Angel Heart in the Dwarfine video game? Uh, are there any, like, particular yeah. – do you approach those things differently? Um, yeah, very much so, yeah, because it's, I mean, it's a wee bit different being a kind of uh, West End of Glasgow posh basset hound dog to being a big, massive warrior woman. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I, I kind of, what I try and do is I like to visualise things, so I actually draw the character that I'm going to be. Okay. I actually do a sketch, I mean, just a rough kind of sketch so I can visualise the character and I'll write all the different little points about them, you know, their age, tone of voice, you know, all different information. And then I've got a big picture in front of me. And then I can almost, you know, when I go into the booth, I can almost visualise that person so that it comes to life. Okay. So we'll do that for different ones. But with the, the computer game that I did, I actually got a picture, which was really useful. I got the actual visual um, of Angel Hart. I can't yeah. say the full name. I've got it now. <laughs> you know, and I can really kind of get into it. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's how I approach it. Or another way I'll do it sometimes if I'm doing characters for audiobooks, if I've got the instructions of what are the kind of background about the character and their motivations, I'll maybe then try and think of someone I know 
that is similar to that character. Ooh, okay. And I've got yeah. that voice, and then I can kind of channel into them. Because you're going between characters with audiobooks quite quickly, so... Yes. You know, I think, well, that's, that's Keith down the road. I know I know it sounds strange, but it just quickly... <laughs> no, 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 not at all. And even changing yeah, the shape yeah. of your mouth when you're doing different characters, you know, if you're more holding it back, doing different shapes and stuff like that. I've just... So is that, is that something you had to learn if your background is more singing? Yes, I had to, I did a wee bit of coaching online for that kind of stuff, for the more kind of voice coaching. But then the singing's brilliant, it comes in because it's all to do with your breathing, phrasing, timing, smiling to sharpen it up, you know, yes. doing the opposite to bring it down. You know, there's lots of things I've taken from my singing background and put it into the, the voiceover as well. Okay. Yeah, I used to be in the choir at work and they always used to say, if you want to stay on pitch, smile. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. I was to and even the vowel sounds, you know, okay. bringing your vowels forward, or you can right. put them back depending on the different accents, which I learned from singing as well. If you sing Italian, you bring it very far forward. French is very far back, you know, more like that. I don't know, just all the tricks. I've just tried to pull in and all the knowledge I've known and bring it together. Good. So you and I. Well, sort of met. I mean, today is the first time we're really meeting. Hello, but, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first time, I mean, I heard your voice. It was uh, actually it wasn't even an audition, but I um, had my short story Goodman's Child made into an audio book. And I used a company called Find Away Voices. And what I liked about them more than ACX is you don't really have any kind of control about who you're getting from ACX so anybody can audition for you whereas what I noticed is mm-hmm. find a way voices kind of did that um sort of pre-screening so I think I had about five or six uh people put towards me and obviously you were one of them and for me it was a no-brainer I mean you had exactly the voice that I was I was looking for for my story um, and then obviously you were able to do the audition um and i mean how are you finding working with those kind of companies compared to sort of being um uh, sort of approached directly by by an author yeah I, I, I do a bit of both because i had my studios before i've got luckily i've got quite a few contacts there mm-hmm. i find that's good because once i meet people once i've set up that um relation kind of working relationship with people yeah. i seem to get a lot more repeat business yes. by doing it kind of more organically and knowing the people as such or directly contacting them through ecx and various platforms it's good to get you started mm-hmm. um but it's maybe not as regular work okay if that's but then again, I met, I've done jobs on different platforms, Mandy.com and stuff, and then I've done more things. You know, I've made built that relationship. So both are good. I think you need to have both in the mix for voiceover stuff. You need to have direct contacts and you need to have yeah. some pay-to-play platforms, as you would call them. Yes. You know, yeah, and I think there is definitely something in there about kind of building up those business relationships because mm-hmm. I think once somebody trusts you as well as – sort of seeing your work then you know yeah as you say they're more likely to give you give you that repeat business so when you're um i think again particularly about find away voices i think for acx people are kind of pitching to you 
Whereas mm-hmm. Find Away Voices, so how much control do you have? Did Find Away Voices suggest you to me without you knowing? Yes, they must. Yeah, because I just got I just got an email to say you've been selected for an audition or you've been shortlisted for an audition. Right. And that's all I knew. Okay. That's the first I knew of it. So say it was some subject matter that you felt uncomfortable with. At what point do you get to turn it down, if at all? I think you, you set because you get a contract, so you can accept the contract, or you can say you don't want to do the contract. So okay. you know that would be the point that you would say, no, I don't. You know, I don't feel comfortable doing that content kind of thing. Okay, okay. And do you are you finding there's much of a difference in kind of terms of quality that you're getting from you know a traditional or a traditionally published author compared to a self published author? Uh, no, I would say it greatly varies. I mean, okay. it depends on the genre. It depends on if it's fiction or non-fiction. Um, I wouldn't say that published books are necessarily, or traditionally published books are, are necessarily any different to self-published. I would actually say I prefer doing the self-published books because okay. you can talk directly with the authors. You can get a bit back. You can feel their kind of passion for the book and the subject. You can ask them more about the characters. and. Okay. I don't know, for me, when I kind of know the person that's written the book or I kind of speak to them, the book kind of almost comes alive a wee bit more for me rather okay. than just a book yeah. from a publisher and there you go. I, I don't know. I, I prefer to kind of know the person and then I'm like, I'm doing this book for that person and that's what it meant to them and that's what they're, you know, you get that kind of two-way communication. Which, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I, I was lucky because you got my book sort of right first time so we didn't have any kind of toing and froing, but I remember filling in production notes, you know, mm-hmm. giving you a bit of background on each in each character. And, you know, for me, you played a middle-aged man, a woman in her late 20s, and a child who was about seven or eight. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, you were able to, you know, s- switch between those, I felt, you know, kind of, cu- kind of very quickly. Um, so I'm hoping that was a relatively straightforward job because we didn't have that kind of like sort of to and fro. Um, I think it's interesting what you say about working with writers, conscious that you've mm-hmm. done some ad work, some video game work and the audio narration. Mm-hmm. How much, how do those contacts with writers work? Do you feel they're slightly different depending on what, which sort of project you're on? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I think the yeah, I mean, doing a commercial is very, very different to doing an audio book. And doing a computer game, so I, I kind of had to think about that actually, and I don't know. I kind of the analogy I've got right is it's like running a race. So if you're doing an audio book, I mean yours was a bit different because it was a shorter story, wasn't yes. it? Whereas yeah, yeah. If you're doing a big audio book. I would describe that as a marathon. So it's slow paced. Yeah. You've got a lot of audio. You're spending a good two weeks, maybe three weeks on it by the time you've edited it and produced it all. And yeah. um, there's no visual. Like there's nothing to get in, in. You've got to draw the person, as I was talking about, in your head and bring them to life. There's no visual to support that. Um, whereas something like a computer game, mm. you're doing short clips of audio. Okay. You've got a visual. You, you've got to fit to that visual, so it's less yes. free almost. Yeah. Um, and I would call that like your kind of thousand meter race. So it's <laughs> kind of a little bit longer. <laughs> um, but you're doing things like, you know, 
being killed sounds and you know all these kind of things. It's quite exhausting to do that in the booth. You know, you got to do forty takes of dying. There's only so many right. ways you can change that. <laughs> um, that's very different. And then you've got the TV commercial, or you know, whatever radio TV commercials or online commercials, which are really short. You know, that's like your high hundred meter sprint. Yes. You get paid the yeah. most for it, but it's you know, and you've got to do like a ten second okay. ad, or twenty second, or thirty. And it's got to fit to that. It's quite rigid, you know, compared to the audiobooks, I fit a bit freer. I don't know if I explained that properly, did I? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, certainly, I think Find Away Voices. They said that my audiobook would be about forty-five minutes, and I think mm-hmm. it came in about sort of 35, 37. So it's definitely not an exact science, is it? No, no, it can just depend on the genre, how quickly you're speaking in different parts. I mean, I was aware that you'd said about your book, you wanted it to start quite slow and then to get faster in pace towards the end. So maybe that's, maybe I sped it up a bit, in which case, which I've never done before, actually, to get the speed up. You know, I usually just would do it kind of, the same pace, depending yes. on what it is, I guess. But yeah. maybe that's why it was a little bit shorter. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Exact yeah. science. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, certainly in my story, um, you know, Moira, who is an abused woman, you know, she's getting closer and closer to her escape by the end of it. So for me, the pace was she's getting more and more frantic um, because her escape is so close. And she's been waiting for so long. Uh, okay, good. I mean, I, I find, I find I that really interesting. That, I mean, I'm not meaning to, um, you know, I do think you wrote that book really well because I could feel that when I was reading it. You know, so I, th- I, I think you've got to be a good writer in order for the narrator to get the most out of it and bring it forward. So it's a, you know, it's a, what's the word? I don't know what the word is for it. It reflects well on you. It's you wrote it well. I think which makes a big difference as well because I could feel that and I kind of tried to imagine myself in that position and how you could feel that desperation of getting away. And I was trying to kind of portray that in my voice as well. Okay. Well, I mean, it was it was beautiful. I I I'm so pleased with it. Um, oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> as an aside, I hope you never get into that situation because I felt really no, bad for that no. woman. <laughs> Thank God I'm not in that position, but I could, could visualise, I could see her on the cliff like with the water below, and I don't know, I could just see it all in the back garden. Oh, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do you find if you're working, I think particularly on an audio book, um, you know, and you're going back to, to the author, do you find... You know, apart from, you know, character and all that kind of stuff, particularly with, you know, prose and dialogue, what do you find yourself going back for, like, similar things? Are there – I guess what I'm getting at is how could, how could a writer make narration easier for a narrator? Um, to make it easier, I think there's a few things. Um, the Having the he said, she said in front of dialogue so you know – because if you've got a big page of stuff and you're just reading through, sometimes if you if it just comes up with the dialogue of the character, you don't know who, which character it is. So it's good to have the he said, she said, so that when you okay. scan over it, you know who's saying what kind of thing. That's very helpful. Um, pronunciations of places and names are also really good. That's something that um, 
you know, has kind of held me back. Or sometimes if I've done a book and they've given me the names, you know, if it's Gaelic or stuff, because I do quite a few Scottish Gaelic novels and romantic history novels and all that stuff. Right. It's good to have the names in Gaelic and know the um, phonetics of that. So that's helpful. Okay. Um, for non-fiction books as well, if there's visuals like diagrams, charts, that kind of thing that would be in a print book, it's good okay. to have maybe an accompanying PDF, you know, that they can refer to and to have that in the copy. Because often you'll be reading a book and it's like, as you can see in the diagram below, and it's like, oh, no one's seeing a diagram. <laughs> no, so a wee bit of adaptation needs to be done if you're going to kind of convert your book to audio book. Um, okay. And then just de- as much detail as possible about the characters and their kind of um, their background and what their motives are, that kind of like a character sheet of visuals. For me personally, I find that really useful as well. Okay, because in, in my head, so, so I, I've listened to, obviously, you know, a, a few different audiobooks. So some are presented more as like a dramatised sort of radio drama. So in the back of my head, when I was editing Goodman's Child for you to narrate, I took out some he he said, she said, because my logic was if you're doing the voices, then the um, listener should be able to differentiate who is who. Would you want to say he said, she said, if you're doing very distinctive um, accents? Yeah, that's true. Maybe it would be more having it as a guidance, you know, having it a certain brackets or, you know, something in italics or something so that the, the narrator knows if it's an audiobook script. Yes. You know, maybe it's a different version to the print one and, and it is just a guidance. That might be helpful. I know what you mean because you want the flow of the um, of the dialogue and the interactions, don't you, rather than yes. he, yeah. Um, have you ever been in a situation where you're working with, other narrators so you're in that kind of radio play environment not yet no I did do an audition um to do a podcast play but unfortunately I think to be honest my voice sounded a bit older than <laughs> than the character <laughs> they wanted but they really liked okay. it so hopefully I'll, I'll maybe do a, another character with them so I've not done that yet no okay. um I've done things like radio I've done like student radio and I've done back and forth that's it you know kind of more broadcasting stuff but I've not actually done character acting um, you know, as a podcast or a radio drama, yet. Okay. But if anyone wants to get me involved, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, open for business. Open for business. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about authors narrating their own books? I think it's. I think it's really good. Um, I think they get the feeling across. I think. Um, I think people, listeners, connect you know, just as well with an author if it's their own story. On a practical point of view, just from my own experience of it, because I edit a lot of books as well, so I maybe I'm I'm not narrating the book, I'll just get the book to edit it. So I've worked with Penguin and HarperCollins and lots of different books. And I would say that maybe practically, they're maybe not as used to being in the studio and maybe not as used to doing the different takes or get you know it'll take longer it'll take much longer because we'll do a number of takes of it you know so it probably will cost you more in a studio to do, to do it yourself and mm-hmm. um, but no I think I I'm all for it I think if people 
want to narrate their own books and they feel comfortable doing it, I think it can sound really good. How, yeah. how do they know if they've got a suitable voice, though? Well, I've, <laughs> are you talking about people that are producing the book themselves, like self-producing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're self, I don't know if they call it self-narration, I guess. Yeah, well, you could simply just record yourself on your phone, have a listen back and see, you know, like find a friend who can be, you know, give you positive feedback or critical, positive critical, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, give you some feedback on it. Okay. Because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm yet to find somebody who doesn't think, oh my God, is that what I really sound like? Yeah. I, yeah, maybe there's two different types of people. There's narrators and there's writers. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, even even doing this podcast, I thought I had like um, a high pitched kind of girly voice. And when when I listen to myself back, I'm like, I am softly spoken, but I've got this weird husky thing that I didn't realize that I had. And I don't know if that's just age, mm-hmm. and I haven't listen to my voice back for I mean I gave up acting in 2003 so I haven't heard, probably heard my voice back um so yeah it's uh-huh. a bit a bit strange so when you first but I guess you haven't had that have you because you've been singing so you're used to yeah, listening I, say, I don't love the same old voice I have been used to listening back, you know, recording mm. al- um, albums in the band and listening back and all you can hear is your voice on the thing when they're mixing it and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and I think just from being really young, I've always sang and even recorded myself in a wee tape when it was wee, you know, I, I've just loved right. doing it since I can remember, so maybe it's not. And my grandpa was a man he, on the radio. He was known as a man of 100 voices, so it's kind of a really? family. Yeah, he used to okay. do uh, radio, like BBC Radio 1 in Scotland. When I mean, we're talking a long time ago, like a long, long time ago, because I'm the baby of my family, I see, so. Okay. He'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, be well over 100 by now, but um, yeah, before TV was really out, he was on the radio doing kids' stories um, every day on Children's Hour. So I think it's just always been, I don't know, in my family, in my blood, just to do it. Yeah. Just feels what, what, normal. What was your granddad's name? His name was Willie Joss. Willie Joss. I'm going to have to Google him after um, Tammy Troot was the stories that he did by Lavinia Derwent. Okay. Because well. it was quite big. It was, you know, quite a big thing. The kids would tune into the radio, the wireless, as yeah, we were called, yeah. you know, for the children's hour, they would listen every day and that was the stories that he did so everyone over the age of about 85 knows who he is <laughs> <laughs> so voiceovers in your dna i think so i think maybe it's just i just feel more just feel quite comfortable doing it so good so in terms of um you know share reels people listening to what you can do um how can they sort of find you online yeah, so you can find me online um, on my website. So it's carolynhenryvoiceovers.co.uk mm-hmm. or you can find me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn under Carolyn Henry Voiceovers or you can drop me an email if you want as well. Some inquiries at carolynhenryvoiceover.co.uk and if there's anyone that wants to work with me on any books or if I can help them with anything, then I'd be delighted to, to hear from them. 
Okay, fantastic. Um, I was talking. <laughs> Listen, nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm all about it. You know, I, I know I'm meant to be interviewing other people, but you know, I mention my books all the time, just hoping it <laughs> subliminally. Yeah. I know. So, you need to get um, anything one on the screen. So. Yeah. <laughs> Available now. Um, <laughs> now I was talking to another voiceover artist the other day who actually I she's a writer um actually she's an actress and a singer but more like theater but she happens to write on the side and she was saying to me that she gets a lot of her work and it seems to be very, it seems to be very active on twitter are you having the same experience no, I found that LinkedIn's been really good okay. for me. Um, I don't know, is she in England or Scotland? or uh, In England. In England, maybe it's a lot bit different, I don't know. But um, I've been contacting a lot of kind of Scottish companies through LinkedIn and I've had, you know, quite a lot of leads from there. Okay. But I will try Twitter. I'll write it down. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds like the best way to get to you for the... Oh, that sounds a bit stalkery, doesn't it? Um, the be- <laughs> um, so the best way to contact you, contact you is uh, on your website and probably on LinkedIn. Yeah, absolutely. Or an email sign as well for me. Yeah, right. that's brilliant. And fantastic. And, and then just a reminder for the listeners and viewers, um, it's uh, audiobook narration ads video games but you can also do production and all the editing as well i can do production and editing and i also do a wee bit of corporate as well so presentations okay. you know voiceover for presentations or kind of animation stuff as well do a wee bit of everything good good well listen all it. of those different <laughs> angles you know keeps puts food on the table doesn't it so yeah it keeps it interesting as well yeah. you're doing one day you do a bit of your audio book, you'll be editing a book and then you'll go in, you know, this week I'm doing, I've got an advert, I can't see because I have to sign all these secret things yes. to, you know, these NDAs, non-disclosure things or whatever. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've got an advert this week, which is a bit different again because it's um, the producer will actually do a live directed session. Okay. So you've got them there as you're reading it. So that's a little bit more pressured. I forgot about that when I was comparing the different um, different types with audiobook and stuff. I prefer audio audiobook probably because you can just get on with it yourself and really get in the zone. Yeah. Whereas the ads, you've got someone kind of directing you. That, yes. um, but yeah, it's all different. It's all good. So, and I think it's important, you know, when you're working in that creative field, that you have all those different sorts of projects. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And also tour guides. We've done quite a lot of, you know, like kind of tour guides of. Holyrood Palace and uh, the V&A and Dundee and, you know, there's quite a lot of things around to that as well, for kind of tunes. And then do you find your projects kind of feed into each other, if you see what I mean? I guess in terms of, you know, you have this experience on one project and it affects the way that you might approach another one. hundred percent, yeah. I mean, doing the editing has really been a huge learning curve for me because I can get the... I've just learned how to edit, how to get it sounding good. And it makes such a difference, I think, when you do an edition. You know, so, um, yeah, definitely there's an overlap of skills, 100%. Okay. Which is good. So, yeah, just, I mean, as I say, I've only been really doing this full time for a year. So I feel I've learned a lot, you know, in the time. 
It's been I feel thrilling. under pressure now to do, get the editing right. <laughs> <laughs> you do have you done a bit of editing as well no or do you mean so, editing the, the copy or do you mean editing the sound editing this oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know the uh, to be fair the great thing about this t- this Zencaster tool that I'm using is I can hit a post-production button and it sorts out all the leveling and gets rid of some of the background noise and stuff I think for me it's editing out like pauses and stuff if if there are any just trying to because i was listening to one of the podcasts back and it sounds like for me it was thinking time mm-hmm. but as a listener it was like three four seconds and you mm. do as a listener you start to think is this finished <laughs> I mean, so, yeah so yeah it's definitely, but definitely then the podcast, it can be a little bit more free you know, unless edited, whereas an audio book or a commercial or something, you've got to be really, there's no breaths, it's all really quite, you know. Yeah. But I think podcasts can be a little bit more relaxed because it is a bit more chat, isn't it? A bit yeah. more informal. Yeah. Good, um, that lets me off the hook. <laughs> I know I sometimes leave, leave pauses. I've just done a book and it was poetry and things and I wanted to leave a dramatic pause. Right. But it was really, when we were talking, like, oh, it was almost, I got, I got, Told off, I had to pull it in a bit, but I was leaving it Yeah, I was reading a book the other day, and it was really interestingly done because um, one of the characters is so angry with one of the others that she can't speak. And what the author did is they left three blank pages in the book. Wow. And I thought, wow, that really works. Uh-huh. How you would do a narration of that, I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, well, Calvin. Thing is, you get paid to hours, that would be free money, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, charge by the page. <laughs> listen, Carolyn, it's been... So, Carolyn, it's been an absolute joy to not only meet you, yeah, but yeah but uh, to, to talk to you as well so um thank you for coming on and uh yes thanks for having me it was great yeah. good and you know if you're listening or watching and you love carolyn's voice as much as i do please do get in touch